save our wildlife, save the environment, save our world. It all starts with a little knowledge. Welcome to Our Wild World with L.A. Weiss. There is so much that's being done and can be done with help from specialists and marginalized community groups to you. We'll discuss the future of Africa, the wildlife, and the people, and show you how it affects the entire planet. Now, here is Ellie Weiss from the Wild Eyes Foundation. Good morning and welcome to Our Wild World. There is constant news of canned trophy hunting in South Africa, the lion bone trade and escalating black markets in ivory and rhino horn, legal and illegal trade. What we often don't realize is that this nefarious hunting, illegal trade and trafficking in wildlife, dead or alive, isn't just happening in faraway places. It happens right here in the USA. Previously, we spoke with retired U.S. Fish and Wildlife Office of Law Enforcement undercover special agent Ken McLeod in efforts to understand the laws and law enforcement and the officers involved in stemming this tide of the illicit trade. Today, Ken joins us as we discuss this canned hunting for trophy of exotic animals right here in our own backyards in the U.S. We're also going to delve into the unsavory underbelly of the dark net. Legal and illegal online wildlife trafficking in imperiled wildlife is rampant, and attempted controls are few and largely ineffective. Log on to almost any international internet a store that deals in wildlife for wildlife parts, and you'll find a charnel house of endangered and protected species hawked openly or under phony names and in violation of U.S. law and international agreements. Ken's job was to infiltrate these webs, track down the sellers and the buyers, and bring the force of the laws we have into play. A risky job indeed, life-threatening not only for the wildlife, but for the officers themselves. So, without any further ado, I welcome uh, you back, Ken. Hi. Hi, Ellie. It's uh, nice to be back with you. Oh, it's great. And we have a lot of ground to cover today. And it's it's not going to be a lot of fun for our listeners to find out just how easy it is and who all is involved in these unsavory, unsportsmanlike activities. I, it's hard for me to even call it an activity. So let's start with the U.S. canned hunting of captive-born exotics brokered either through the internet or surplus from zoos or unethical brokers to end up on private ranches or even in somebody's basement to be hunted. Is there any fair chase involved in this at all? Tell us tell us your experience of this. Uh, that's really a pretty simple answer. Uh, uh, no, there's no fair chase involved. Uh, the canned hunts are... Uh, hunts that are set up generally using uh, almost a 100% uh, captive-born cats uh, such as tigers and uh, lions and cougars and leopards and basically anything that has fallen into the hands of a uh, live wildlife broker who is willing to sell these uh, live animals uh, and have them shipped normally via semi-truck across the country to uh, people that are willing to take them out on their property, usually, you know, hunting guides or hunting ranches, uh, not the, uh, the good 
good legal ones, but the uh, the ones that are doing things illegally, and uh, they will ship these cats out and then sell the hunts to people that uh, receive pleasure from uh, shooting and killing and being photographed with their dead trophies. Uh, so are these are these hunts? advertised like through safari club or you know hunting operators or these ranch owners how do they find clients people that can't afford to go to africa or the country where these animals live or well they will uh they certainly wouldn't be advertising through sci or anything of that nature and i'm pretty sure sci would stay away from that uh, officially, anyways, and uh, the uh, these would be communications uh, made one on one, say with previous customers that were on their uh, the guide's property for say a, a, a wild boar hunt or whatever, and they would uh, you know uh, announce their interest in uh, uh, being able to have the opportunity to shoot exotic animals uh, that uh, they could not lawfully kill uh, you know here in the states or even in you know in the case of say tigers in, in the wild anyplace uh, so, it, so, um, so these the people that get the I'm sorry to interrupt I, I just have so many questions right now um, so are these animals that these people are purchasing for these hunts do they have permits from U.S. Fish and Wildlife, or this is all done on the dark side? No, it's 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 no, they don't have permits, uh, and uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service would never issue a permit for, say, internet or interstate commerce of uh, an endangered species. Uh, you know, for hunting purposes. I mean, they issue permits for, you know, the enhancement and the benefit of endangered species. So these would be uh, uh, purchases made uh, unlawfully in interstate commerce anyways uh, that would be uh, done by, uh, you know, uh, bank transfers or mailing a check to the uh, seller from the uh, the guiding service, and uh, uh, then the hunts would be set up uh, with their clients. So it would be all done trying not to leave a, uh, a trail or a paper trail of uh, the transaction or transactions. So this brings up another question. Most trophy hunters want bragging rights to be able to, you know, post pictures and we're going to get into a picture that you sent me. We're going to get into this particular hunt. But most trophy hunters want these bragging rights to say that sit over and gloat on the body. So if these are um, completely on the dark side, no permits and shady provenance to begin with and no confirmed or registered kill, how do they get bragging rights or do they just is it is, is that the crux of what we're talking about these guys post these pictures and make up a story and kind of just about ego 
I yes, I mean to to answer your question directly, yes. I mean it's it doesn't mean that they're going to uh, submit these to Outdoor Life type magazine or a hunting magazine for publication, but it certainly means that they're going to uh, take and blow up photographs, uh, share the photographs of their trophies, so to speak, uh, with uh, their friends. Uh, now, in the day of the internet, uh, they can, you know, very easily uh, just email pictures of uh, the cat or the cats that they have killed. It is, uh, you know, it is for bragging rights, but certainly they're not going to do it in a, a fashion that uh, the authorities could uh, perhaps uh, charge them with violations of state or and or federal laws. And it's also how I guess they would get further clients by sharing it with their good old buddies club. Exactly. I mean, it wouldn't be something that they would uh, send out in a mass mailing, but they would have a selected clientele that have shown an interest in shooting uh, something like a tiger that they couldn't uh, kill in the wild or kill uh, lawfully here in the States. And they would send those selected people photographs and say, hey, look what we did. Look what so-and-so took on such-and-such uh, such date. And we can arrange the, the same type of uh, fun experience for you. And, uh, you know, at such-and-such such amount of money. Yikes. So this, this is very similar, folks, um, listeners, to what is going on in South Africa. And we're screaming at South Africa and the Department of Environmental Affairs, Edwa Molewa, about the lion bone trade and um, the CITES permits. A whole lot of this is really on the headlines right now. But what we need to understand here and the point of this conversation with Ken is to let you know it's not just South Africa. And, um, you know, that that at least is somewhat legal and going through the process, whether we like it or not. What we're talking about today here is completely unethical and typically illegal um, hunts going on on the dark side. So, Ken, you had sent me a photograph, which we're posting with along with this episode of a gentleman over a lion. Um, and it was a case you were involved in. Uh Tell us about that. Yeah, actually, I don't think it was a lion. It was a uh, actually this one gentleman on one occasion killed uh, a Bengal tiger, okay, an African right. leopard, and also a mountain lion or cougar uh, that were uh, shipped in uh, to King City, California. Uh, and it was normally a pig hunting ranch, but uh, uh, these were were trucked in and uh, sold to the guide who resold them to the hunter for his pleasure of killing. As the cats were let out of their cramped little uh, shipping crates, uh, he was allowed to shoot uh, and kill the uh the tiger and the leopard and the cougar and uh, uh, we uh, uh, helped execute a search warrant, a state search warrant uh, on this 
guide's property looking for evidence of this hunt uh, because we had received information about it. And uh, uh, after a great deal of searching, we found the tiger skin that had been tanned with the head attached, uh, rolled up and hidden underneath the guide's house. And uh, from there, I uh, finished up with the search warrant in King City, which was about a five or six hour drive uh, south of where the hunter lived. And I knew his name from uh, the interview of the guide. Uh, and so I sat on, sat meaning I uh, personally and, and solely uh, you know, had his house under surveillance because uh, originally I had knocked on the door and nobody answered and uh, uh, because I want to interview the hunter and see if uh, he would give me uh, consent to search the house. And so I sat on this house for approximately three days before somebody came in. Uh, to the house and you know obviously lived there or owned it and it was an older woman and uh, so I gave her a few minutes to, to get inside and I knocked on the door identified myself with my badge and credentials and asked her if she was the owner of the house and uh, as a matter of fact she was and she was the mother of the hunter uh, whose uh, the whole street was named his by, under his last name. They had money, and she gave me permission to go into the house and conduct a search. Uh, and admitted at the time that she was the owner, 100% of the house, and uh, gave me the authority to search the house. So, did that make her an accessory? Uh, that, or that's not really what you didn't. were after. That my my main interest was to find probable cause in the house to come back and get a federal search warrant or uh, get her consent to search the house and uh, uh, which I got and she signed a consent to search form so it made it all perfectly legal and uh, I started searching uh, through the house uh, looking for photographs or rifles or ammunition that uh, uh, may lead uh, to uh, evidence and, and thus a conviction uh, of this man uh, killing these uh, endangered species, except for the cougar, uh, uh, unlawfully. And uh, this was in California where the cougar is a uh, protected species, so it would certainly be a violation of the uh, state of California's uh, wildlife laws. So uh, I did a very, very thorough search of the house and uh, uh, found up on the back of a... Uh, uh, closet that there was a uh, camera case and uh, uh, I pulled the camera case down and I found several rolls of film that had been exposed but not uh, uh, developed 
So and you were able to confiscate that or seize that? Yes, I immediately put those in a, uh, a Ziploc bag and put a, a seizure tag in there and filled it out for, uh, I think it was about four rolls of exposed but undeveloped 35 millimeter film. And I sealed that bag and continued my search, uh, which uh, uh, ended up with a uh, high-powered rifle, hunting rifle with a scope. And uh, I confiscated that and tied on a uh, uh, seizure tag to that firearm once I made sure it was empty and uh, had no uh, shells or bullets in it. And uh, so I... Uh, confiscated that wow wow so um we have to cut to a break here shortly but um what i'm hoping our visit our <laughs> visitors um listeners are understanding is the depth of the work and um the time it takes to follow this and that you can report this we're going to come back and talk about this some more that you if you know of something like this going on and you know it's exotic cats and you can report it. So we're going to take a break right now. And when we come back, Ken is going to give us some more information on how to go about doing that. And then we're going to delve into the dark net of all of what happens on the internet. So stick with us. Lots coming up. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big. Scary. Beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. 
That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. And welcome back. This is Our Wild World with my guest, Ken McLeod. And we left you all hanging on a cliffhanger in the middle of a search and seizure of an illegal hunt, private hunt, taking place in the United States of three um, listed, if not endangered species, a tiger, a mountain lion, and what was the other cat? A leopard. The African leopard, And Ken uh, had... Uh, gotten permission to, to search the premises, and he found undeveloped film. Ken, tell us the story. What happened when you developed that film? Well, the the film, uh, I had no idea what uh, was exposed or what was taken on the film, but uh, uh, after seizing the film and uh, seizing the gentleman's rifle, he actually came home, and I conducted a interview with him, uh, which didn't last very long because he wasn't very cooperative, but I gave him a receipt for the, uh, the film and the rifle, and... Uh, um, left the premises and uh, took the film to a secure Photoshop where I could stand there and wait and uh, watch the film being uh, uh, developed so there would not be a break in the chain of evidence if there was any evidence on the film. And to my surprise, uh, the roles of film were of this specific hunt with the uh, the killing uh, and the posing uh, by the defendant uh, with uh, a bloody tiger and a bloody uh, African leopard and a bloody uh, cougar. And uh, so that... Uh, film. I secured the negatives in our evidence locker safe uh, and I sent a copy of the photographs up to our National Fish and Wildlife uh, Service uh, Forensics Laboratory in Nashville, Oregon and asked them to uh, enlarge the photographs and make them poster size with backing uh, in case we needed to go to trial and as a matter of fact this uh, case did go to trial and the uh, the shooter in this instant uh, was from Saratoga, California uh, and he had shot these cats in King City, California and I entered these into evidence when I testified uh, at this gentleman's trial showing the uh, the dead tiger with blood coming from uh, the animal and the African leopard and the cougar uh, with the uh, the hunter uh, along in some of the cases with his rifle and in one case I believe even a African leopard the African leopard draped over the back of his uh, neck and him carrying it by holding the front and hind feet 
in his left and right hands, and uh, it was it was very telling. Uh, you uh, people say that uh, you know a, a picture is worth a, uh, a thousand words, and in this case, it was. I. Uh, I so the, let's let's back up one second. So you had left the house with giving this guy a receipt for the evidence, and he was uncooperative. And now you had evidence. So what transpired there? You, you go back, and how did you end up um, making but making the case? Did he confess, or um, what transpired? Well, he actually confessed to. Being on the hunter's property, and from the photographs, I was able to identify the mountains behind uh, where he was standing with his trophies uh, as putting him right there on the, uh, the guide's property. And uh, I, we had already originally taken photographs of the uh, shipping metal shipping cages that the cats were uh, transported in by truck, and uh, so it 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 really put the hunter, the dead animal, uh, and the mountains uh, that were located outside of King City uh, right there. So it put them all together, and uh, I put to put each photograph up on an easel uh, in front of the jury of 12 of his peers and uh, explained where I had confiscated the uh, undeveloped film and that the chain of evidence was not broken because I stayed with the film as it was being developed. At that point in time, uh, the prosecution rested. Uh, The defense did not call any witnesses. And this was the quickest uh, verdict uh, from a jury that I'd ever received in a case that I'd gone to trial on. And we received uh, uh, guilty verdicts on every count. And uh, we received the, the verdict in about 20 minutes. And, uh, and, and what, uh, what the verdict obviously was guilty. And what was the sentence? Was it appropriate? Uh, for a wildlife case, I thought it was very good. He got five years in state prison, uh, which, uh, again, we're still uh, the conser- wildlife conservation officers and agencies are still educating uh, the justice system and the courts about the uh, severity and the significance of wildlife violations but for the that time uh uh in our evolution of of teaching the uh importance of wildlife conservation it was a good sentence so Uh, it sort of set a precedent to move it did okay it it did it i mean he uh he was sentenced to five years in in prison, not just you know, uh, you know less than a year in a, in a county jail. Really, the, the the whole key to that case was just my luck or being fortunate to be nosy enough to look in the 
the, his closets, behind the clothes, under the shoes, on top of the shelf, and finding the uh, camera case where he had stashed the. I don't know. Uh, I don't know that it's. I don't know that it's luck. I think I'd call it diligence, and was, you know, and I would hope that our. Um, officers today in law enforcement in wildlife enforcement would be this diligent i yeah it was diligence yes it was uh, there was diligence involved and i would say or i have been told that uh, uh through my 31 plus years of wildlife conservation enforcement that uh, uh, that was one of my traits was uh, diligence and uh, when somebody said oh you'll never catch so and so well that was almost a challenge to me it was a dare you know and uh, I would uh, I'd work extra hard if they were uh, significant violators and uh, doing uh, damage to wildlife and their habitats. Well, you know, that diligence leads us into the second half of our, or second part, so to speak, of our conversation today. And that's the dark web, the things that are going on on the internet in trafficking illegal wildlife. And um, after you left U.S. Fish and Wildlife, you went to the Humane Society, I believe, and then were uh, was in charge or part- participated in a, in a great deal and to huge effect of tracking down illegal wildlife traffic trafficking sales of parts of endangered species on the internet and i from what we've talked about um one of the biggies is uh ebay and uh the world's largest online market place by far and and makes very few efforts to control the smuggling and um, or either deletes the ads for illegal products. But um, you did a lot of work for a lot of years on investigating and trying to educate eBay. Uh, let's let's talk about some of that. The work that you did with that and, you know, that you were doing with Humane Society and what you discovered and, and how you went about doing that. Okay. Uh, well, basically, uh, actually, even as a special agent, I was uh, near the end of my career, which there's a mandatory retirement age of 57. I uh, was injured in the line of duty and uh, had uh, ruptured two discs in my back, and I had to have my uh, four levels of my spine fused, both anteriorly and posteriorly. Uh, It was a 12-hour surgery and almost a year of healing in bed, uh, uh, being nursed back to health by my wonderful wife, Rose, who's a wildlife inspector at the time. But uh, I was assigned to uh, be the national contact for eBay because we were beginning to have serious problems of endangered species and CITES, Appendix 1 and Appendix 2 and Appendix 3 species offered for sale uh, by eBay. So I was put in touch with the chief of their legal division and I worked closely with them as a special agent and then uh, after I retired, I took 30 days off, and uh, I, I've got uh, this calling, I guess you would call it, uh, for continuing to uh, work 
uh, wildlife enforcement or work for wildlife uh, conservation and habitat preservation. To so, in, 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 in no way have you retired. No. I mean, you've retired from public office, so to speak, but um, through our many conversations and communications, there's no way I would call you retired. And you are still working diligently um, and uh, going through this. And in fact, you just, in preparation for our talk today, uh, you sent me several emails with scans from eBay dated this week of illegal and uh, items available on eBay. And uh, this brings up another thing, the payment gateways. You sent me a scan of an elephant foot stool for sale, and it says it's quote-unquote vintage, and I think they were trying to maybe bypass some of the ivory ban laws on that. But what really astonished me was the price, $425, and we're going to get into this as well, how you can pay for these things. PayPal. Correct. So right. let's talk a little bit about this, that it's still going on, and that, you know, in some cases I'd call this money laundering, and that, you know, you can do this on Facebook, and you can do it through social networking, and eBay, and these other auction sites, but eBay's a big one, and despite all the work you did um, to educate them, it's still going on. We've got a, a few minutes to break, and then we're going to talk about this some more so give us a little setup here yeah it's still going on and so i i took 30 days off of uh, work when i retired as a sp senior special agent from the u.s fish and wildlife service i was offered a position of, uh, as chief crimes investigator for the peninsula humane society that uh uh, is one of the largest human societies in the country. And they asked me to look into the smuggling of uh, wildlife through the Internet, specifically eBay, because they're so large. And uh, so I... Uh, you know, even as an agent, typed up physically, manually typed up lists of endangered species, sighted species, uh, all the migratory birds uh, uh, that are protected under the Migratory Bird Treaty Act. Uh, so they could enter those into filters so they could be filtered out. Uh, eBay, eBay could, you created a data sheet for eBay to filter. Okay. Yeah, specifically for eBay, I worked with their chief of their legal division. I worked with, at the time, the chief of their PayPal division, which is how they received their money. Uh, and they were you know, the same corporation. They were just across the street from each other. Since uh, that time, they have split into two different corporations, still across the street from each other. But... Uh, PayPal is how things are purchased on eBay, and eBay is the hub for the uh, sale of… And Buyers and sellers of exactly. what we know, and just about anything you want, including a, yeah. an elephant foot stool. So this just lit up a question in my mind. So to surf these things and find this stuff, you need to use a browser. Um, Safari or Google or Chrome or something like that. 
how does all that fit in? Can Is there any way we as citizens, you know, if we wanted to report this stuff, is there any way that Google, you know, can be brought to bear for their part in allowing this trade to uh, go on? Possibly. Recently, I read an article that Google and eBay had... Uh, joined forces to fight the illegal trade in wildlife, which I found so, you know, ironic. I mean, because eBay, uh, every every day I turn my computer on, I've got search engines going for illegal wildlife, and every day something pops up, uh, whether it's Brazilian rosewood that uh, is being sold out of uh, Asian countries or Brazil, or uh, which is CITES Appendix 1, or uh, things like this elephant footstool. Uh, actually, uh, the starting bid on the elephant foot uh, uh, that I sent you was $545 for the starting bid. So it could you know, eventually sell for $1,000 or who knows. But uh, that was the minimum bid is $545. And uh, so this is going on. Uh, you know, it's rampant. And unfortunately, uh, you know, since I started doing this work for eBay and with eBay, probably back around 1994, uh, I haven't seen this stop. I've seen eBay, you know, make a a policy for their corporation that they would no longer sell elephant products. Yet I find an elephant footstool this week uh, for sale. Uh, I find elephant ivory for sale. Uh, I, you know, as you know, I sent you quite a list of Cites yeah. uh, Appendix One and endangered species that are being sold this week or offered for sale this week on eBay. And so, you know, and what's interesting is some of them are not obviously what you would think of as an animal product. I'm looking at one of the scans you sent me, Chatouche Shal Shiradani, 100% touche, and I can't pronounce the next name, but what it is, is Tibetan antelope. Exactly. Uh, and it's an endangered species, Cites Appendix 1, and that was for sale on the 14th of September, 2018, this year, last week. Not exactly. Even la- not even last week, four days ago. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that's that's uh, that's not uncommon. I see Chatouche offered and, and, on a I'm regular sorry. basis. Yeah, and what it is, it's a shawl. It doesn't look like an animal at all. It's right. a shawl or a throw cover, but it's an endangered species, folks. So, you know, we we as consumers, which is a whole other conversation, have to be aware of what we're looking at and be proactive in not purchasing this stuff so um we need to step away for a quick break but we're going to come back and talk about this some more uh, about what we can do so stick with us we'll be right back become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america wildlife No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. 
Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to Our Wild World. Listening to Our Wild World, I'm Ellie Weiss and my fascinating guest, Ken McLeod. So what we've been talking about here today is the dark underbelly of the dark net, the internet. As wonderful as it is, you can sit anywhere. You could be sitting at a zoo, watching a lion, and go be buying a lion cub or booking a hunt to kill an exotic cat somewhere in the United States, and you can pay for it all via PayPal, what we think of as a very trusted source, usually for nonprofits, a a nice, gentle way to do good. But there's this whole dark side that Ken is highlighting for us that is still going on today, that there's some really nasty stuff going on. So, Ken, we were talking about eBay and the recent scans, that you, research that you've done, and that you have this kind of running all the time in your daily background of all these illegal Appendix 1 endangered and listed species. And we were saying some of them are obvious, like a lion cub. Some of them are not so obvious, like a shawl um, or a bedspread. Some of them are really fashion items, like a fur coat. And then there's these other items like skulls or an elephant foot stool. Who are the buyers that are doing this? I mean, we we sort of get the seller nastiness mindset, but the buyer, as we talked about in our previous episode, is a whole other animal, sort of, no, well, maybe pun intended. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. There, it, it varies from, like you said, the fashion items such as the shawls or the uh, fur coats to uh, the bone collectors or the skull collectors. Uh, I think I sent you a copy of uh, a full-size uh, crocodile skull out of uh, looks like uh, Bangkok. Uh, there were two different skulls, one marked freshwater croc, which tells me that it's not the saltwater croc, which could have uh, exemptions uh, depending on where they were from. This one was from uh, uh, Bangkok, so they are uh, CITES Appendix 1 there and an endangered species. Uh, but uh, they also have Siamese crocodiles that are uh, and mugger crocodiles that are full and endangered species. I've got just uh, this morning, I pulled off a uh, uh, parrot skull for $299, which calls it uh, a yellow-headed parrot. Well, all, it, all I can tell from the skull is it's an Amazon parrot. There are many, many endangered Amazon parrots. Uh, I've got uh, well, You sent me, there's um, pythons, jackets. Oh yes, um, and there's wolf pelts, not even fur coats, and there's out and out ivory, walrus ivory, and um, elephant ivory. Yes, yes, and I and being highly trained in identifying these things, I can tell the difference between walrus ivory and sperm whale ivory, and extant elephant ivory whether it's asian or african ivory and i can tell the difference between the uh uh the mammoth ivory which would not be a violation and the uh the asian and 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 african elephants so uh by looking uh closely at the uh photographs on ebay uh, it's very easy to tell what type of ivory it is, and if it's walrus, it's a violation of the uh, Marine Mammal Protection Act federally. Uh, it's a CITES species. Uh, the marmoset skull, all primates except for Homo sapiens, are at least CITES Appendix 2. Uh, many of them are CITES Appendix 1, such as orangutans or gorillas or some of the marmosets marmosets themselves are uh, uh, you know like the golden marmoset is an endangered species so and society's appendix one we're talking about a whole lot of laws being broken all across the board so even if let's say the marmoset was sold in the u.s and bought in the u.s it still had to come from somewhere which could often tie in into the international illegal trafficking and funneling of wildlife, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So No. So who who in the US Fish and Wildlife today that you work with or are friends with or who who is doing this today? Like if somebody saw this on the net, who would we report it to? You? Would you follow up on it? Or, well, you- certainly I I would if somebody reported it to me and there are still people that trust me, that know me, that uh, you know, I've at least 30 different 
you know, old informants still call me with information, and uh, depending on where the venue is for the violations and the type of wildlife, uh, I still have some contacts with the Fish and Wildlife Service. In other cases, I don't, uh, but they should be contacting the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, their local offices, their regional offices, or the Washington, D.C. office, which is actually located in, I believe, Falls Church of Virginia right now. Uh, but it's really easy to pick up the phone. You can, uh, you know, Fish and Wildlife Service even has a, a website that uh, you could uh, just anonymously, if you wanted, uh, uh, turn turn these uh, items in. Uh, I guess the thing that really bothers me is I spent so much time working with eBay and even flying out to their large hub in Salt Lake City for a day lecturing and showing them what is legal, what is illegal, what requires permits, what what's illegal to offer for sale. Although, one uh, uh, important point is is that eBay is headquartered in San Jose, California, and in the state of California, under the California Penal Code Section 653, small o, it's illegal to sell or offer for sale any elephant products, any python products, any uh, uh, wolf products, uh, any sable antelope, etc., etc. So they're uh, when they offer for sale these items, even if they're coming from Bangkok into the United States, they're still offering them out of the state of California because that's their headquarters. So they're still in violation of the California Penal Code Section 6530. And if somebody with the Fish and Wildlife Service would put two and two together, they could predicate that penal code section which is for wildlife uh and use that uh and uh charge a felony lacey act violation which is a u.s fish and wildlife service statute uh called 16 usc 3372 uh, which basically states it's illegal to sell or offer for sale uh, wildlife uh, taken in violation uh, or offered for sale uh, in violation of state, federal, or foreign law. In this case, it certainly would be illegal based on the California State Penal Code when it comes to the Endangered Species Act or CITES. Uh, they they could possibly predicate it on the Endangered Species Act if it was interstate commerce, or they could uh, predicate it on the Endangered Species Act and CITES if it was international commerce. The bottom line is is that eBay continues to. So Ken, what you're saying here is that so much is available. You did a lot of work with eBay, providing them a data sheet that would put filters through their computer programs to highlight when illegal species came up. You worked with their legal department, you worked with their staff, and um, having worked with U.S. Fish and Wildlife, not while you were doing this, you were with the Humane Society, but where we were going was there is still so much 
illegal wildlife being trafficked through the web. So I have to ask a potentially sticky, wicked question. What is going on today with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife that we can find these items so readily available that is it is, is it a problem of will is it a problem of the administration or is it a problem of the magnitude of the scale of this market that we're not catching it before the animals are killed well i think it's a combination of at least all three i mean it certainly the magnitude the scale uh, is a problem. Uh, also, I personally think that since nobody has actually prosecuted eBay for these flagrant uh, uh, offers for sale of endangered and CITES Appendix 1 wildlife or even the wildlife that's illegal to sell under the California State Penal Code section, uh, they, uh, they're not taking this as seriously as maybe uh, they should. So uh, who, 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 that, this is a really good point that I didn't even think of. So we have Defenders of Wildlife and we have uh, Natural Resources Defense Co- uh, Council that are very geared toward taking on the legal issues. And we have the um, International Wildlife Crime Task Force out of D.C. and Interpol. So why or how do we get them to pay more attention to this today? I think uh, people need to start uh, sending in more complaints, uh, and there is a complaint system built into eBay, uh, as well as uh, to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Uh, uh, just like any business, private or government, you've got uh, really good employees that are proactive, or you've got the uh, the type of employees that. Uh, say are are more interested in acting on calls that come into their office uh, or you know uh, how much uh, time they've got left before they can retire or what the what rate will they be retiring at uh, and it's politics too we've got a different administration uh, with a different set of priorities, and I'll just leave it like that, uh, that uh, may not be wildlife. And well, well, let's look at this from the other side. Let's say we've got some, you know, gung-ho young attorneys out there. I mean, I know several that mm-hmm. would like to create like a tort suit and bring it, you know, prepare the background and bring it to somebody like Defenders of Wildlife or the U.S. courts to um, prepare a case and make this happen. And, you know, the the important point you made was prosecution. So in order to even get it prosecuted, you have to bring a case forward. So is, is that an, an opportunity that's waiting for some of these young folks who want to make a difference and have some skill sets to do so? Absolutely. I mean, there are uh, there are young assistant U.S. attorneys, and again, you mentioned lawsuits and things like that. Uh, those are like apples and oranges. Uh, civilly, uh, you could sue them, or you could go through the uh, uh, solicitor's office for the Department of the Interior. But criminally, which is what I always did as a special agent and even a wildlife inspector, 
I went to the U.S. Attorney's Office Criminal uh, Division and developed uh, relationships and trust with uh, assistant U.S. attorneys in offices across the country. And then I was fortunate enough to be assigned uh, for nine to ten years a special prosecutor just for my cases uh, out of Washington, D.C., out of the Environment and Natural Resources Division. So uh, I, you know, I, all I needed to do was just say, I've got another case or I'm, I'm going down this rabbit hole and I'll let you know what I find. And, uh, and there's nothing standing in the way of uh, a special agent uh, presenting a case to the U.S. Attorney's Office unless it's their supervisor or their supervisor's supervisor that doesn't want to make waves. So on the upside is we do have the ability to bring this to the attention. So listeners, you know, here's an opportunity for some of you who have these skill sets to take this on. And to contact Wild Eyes or me through our program in Voice America and to report this stuff, we can carry it up the chain. I mean, Ken is an incredible, invaluable resource who has a lot of years under his belt and a lot of connections to possibly see this through. And we have an opportunity here to, to do something about this, right? Right, and and like we've discussed before, Ellie, is a lot of uh, people that work for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Office of Law Enforcement, whether they're inspectors or special agents, or they actually even work for the branch of special operations. Uh, so, well, sometimes when they retire, they retire, and they're done with it. But in my case, just in my heart and soul, I'm not done. I've still got gas left in my tank, so to speak, and I am, you know, uh, currently working as a herpetologist under the permits of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service Endangered Species Office, uh, breeding endangered species for repatriation. I'm working as the uh, curator of natural history for the uh, Black Hawk Museum, uh, trying to educate people about wildlife conservation and habitat preservation. And I'm also working with, uh, with law enforcement as much as I can uh, to uh, provide information to them because I'm still getting information in about uh, horrendous crimes currently going on, you know, backed up with photographs that people are emailing me of the Animals actually being poached and smuggled off uh, some highly protected areas. And uh, I can't go into the details on that now because I hope that I can find somebody interested in going down uh, the, those paths and a special agent presenting these cases to a uh, assistant U.S. attorney or a task force. But, uh, uh, but yeah, there are ways to do this. So, folks, um, unfortunately, we have to wrap today. We are out of time. But the, the end point today for our listeners is you can do something about this. There are brilliant people who are willing to help take this on and fight this system and put a stop 
on several avenues of inter- international wildlife crime and wildlife trafficking through the dark net. So, Ken, I'm sorry, we're out of time. We're going to talk some more because you have such a, a wide uh background and knowledge and expertise but for today i want to thank you uh it was a fascinating conversation well thank you for your time and thank you for all you're doing for wildlife well you're welcome and we will talk some more so in the meantime folks go out into our wild world and make a difference thank you again for joining us this week Be sure to tune in next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Our Wild World with your host, Ellie Weiss, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think about living with wildlife during the coming week and what you can do right now. 